everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 156th episode of the podcast, airing May 17th, 2023. Now, in this episode, I'm pleased to welcome back special guest Joe O'Neill to join me on the program to chat about Gemini season 2023, where Joe and I go mercurial and break down all the bits and pieces of this year's solar passage through the twins. First, we address how Taurus isn't done with us yet. As Jupiter gets settled, Mercury gains speed, and we start the season fresh off a new moon in the bull's territory. We then walk you through a play-by-play of the transits in store, including the mutable moon cycles and Venus entering Leo for an extended stay. To wrap up, we address the bigger picture of Jupiter separating from the North Node to make the opening sextile to Saturn in Pisces. The story is moving forward, so it's time to dial in our narrative. To follow along as we step through the charts, you can tune into a video version of this episode on YouTube. Now, if you would like to support this program, come on over to energeticprinciples.com where you can book a personal consultation, you can leave a tip in my tip jar, or you can sign up and or you can sign up for my monthly transit newsletter, The Heavenly Wind, which goes out at the beginning of each month and is chock full of goodies on how to navigate the astrology, uh, along with a little, uh, you know, tarot correspondences and also an animal ambassador. Now, I am fresh off of doing my first webinar uh, where I did a class on overlaying tarot with a natal chart, and it went super well, a lot of enthusiastic feedback, uh, and everybody really loved it, and uh, everybody was loving the donation um, format as well. So stay tuned for more webinars because there will be more in the works, uh, but the best way to stay abreast of that is to sign up for my mailing list. So not only do you get the heavenly wind, but when I do have a class or webinar available, you will be the first to know. So all right, everyone, who is ready to hear all about Gemini season 2023? Here we go. Now let's meet our guest. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Energetic Principles podcast. We are going to be speaking on Gemini season today, and we have a wonderful return guest with us. We have uh, the super smart and quick-witted and uh, number one Tolkien fan, (laughs) (laughs) Joe O'Neill with us back again. Thanks for joining me, Joe. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Mel. It's always a blast. I, I, when I think about Joe coming, because Joe's been on the podcast a few times. So if you've been a, uh, a longtime listener, um, first time caller, now I don't know where that came from, but uh, <laughs> you, you might've caught Joe on a few of our season episodes here. Um, but the one thing you always bring to the table, somehow you managed to reap in some sort of Lord of the Rings <laughs> reference. And I have not seen Lord of the Rings I, or read it. I have played the Lego PlayStation game. Was it good? I see. I have not played the Lego PlayStation game. Oh, you would like it. Yeah. No, it's great. I don't know if you're a video gamer. Um, I wouldn't say that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. I'm like, I'm not like always in there, but, uh, but I played it. It was super fun. You know, in the Lego games, they don't, um, they don't talk. 
like there's no narrative. It's it's just only like kind of like pictures and they go. Oh, that's cute. So you would really like it because I'm figuring out this whole story by no dialogue, little Lego men doing things. Yeah. So if you uh, <laughs> get in there, check it out. Yes. So, yes. All right. Well, before we get started here, we got so much to talk about with Gemini season, which I guess is very fitting. Um, but Joe, tell tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. All right. So, um, so yeah, I'm Joe O'Neill. I'm a consulting astrologer and writer based in Oklahoma City. Um, I specialize in the twelfth house and being a Lord of the Rings nerd. Yes, that's probably <laughs> what people recognize the most about me. Uh, but contrary to popular belief, um, I will not get mad at you if you haven't seen the movies or read the books or anything like that. More than anything, I'm just in love with stories in general. Um, I also love Ursula Le Guin and story is a huge way that I, um, go about my astrology practice in general, whether it's with my 12th house work or my writing or what have you, it's all, um, I always hope to kind of capture the same feeling that really good stories give you, whatever kind of stories attract you specifically, um, hoping to kind of tell, tell the stories of the planets. So that's a little bit about me. Oh, I love that. Right. We're all living, we're all living our own story, right. And we're in the stories Mm -hmm. of others. We're in these overlapping stories. (laughs) Oh yes. Constantly. Um, so the storytelling work, you know, I, that is very, I imagine that to be very helpful, right? Because we're living a story, but a lot of times we're living in a story. And what is that story? Because the story right. is malleable to some extent, right? You know, that's definitely. the beauty of it. Yeah, definitely. There's, I think that's one of the, one of my favorite things about astrology at this point is kind of helping you to locate yourself in your own story or whatever story arc you're in personally. Um, and just get a little bit of perspective when you kind of can't see the forest for the trees. Not that that ever happens to me. Uh, yeah. To people all the time. Um, yeah, but, right. but yeah, so, so good for that. Oh, I am always in the forest in the, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I always think about that term, uh, the, uh, you, that saying, and I'm like, it makes sense when you say it, but then I, when I try to pick it apart, I'm like, see, I'm always afraid I'm going to say it wrong wrong. and it's going to mean something different. (laughs) Mercury is retrograde as we're recording. (laughs) Uh, That is correct. I know we are doing this. We're actually doing this a day later than we were supposed to because Joe almost got blown away by a potential uh, uh, windstorm. Yeah, just, you know, tornado season in Oklahoma. So Yeah, so luckily uh, she did not and she's still here today and we're going to live to tell the tale of Gemini season. So let's, what better time to, to, uh, embark in story, right? You know, this is the season that is aligned with uh, Mercury energy, you know, one of two seasons that is, but, you know, Gemini, I, I absolutely think about this, like the story or at least, well, it, there's different facets. There's facets of the story in Gemini, but the story doesn't only live in Gemini, but, you know, we are in Mercury territory. So starting Sunday, 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 May 21st, we are moving into Gemini and there, there's a lot going on. There is right when we get in there, we got this setup of, you know, Jupiter having just moved into uh, Taurus, having a square with Pluto and Aquarius. There is Mars moves into Leo and there is a a T square going on between these planets. So Gemini uh, season 
starts off with a bang. And I just, let me pick your brain on that. <laughs> Joe, yes. What, what Jupiter, Pluto, I mean, Jupiter, Pluto, Mars in there, like zero degrees. What are we, what are we looking at? What are we looking at? Um, that has been the top question for my clients recently is like, tell me all about Pluto and Aquarius because it's really big ingress, you know, Pluto moves really slowly. So there's so much about this new chapter that's brand new and we're just getting a preview of it really. And then we'll get another preview, um, when Pluto makes its next ingress into Aquarius. So we have Pluto dipping in and out. So right now I'm really just in this kind of watching and waiting Mm. phase to see kind of what new chapter of changes is going to be ushered in with this transit over the next couple of years. But to get more specific for Gemini season and this T-square that's happening, I mean, it really does start off with a bang. I've been looking at this section, like this month of the astrology since last year, because every time... um, during this little time period, every time a planet ingresses into a fixed sign, it immediately makes an aspect with Pluto. So it's like, it's getting these little micro activations and the tension or the intensity we might see from a hard aspect um, from Pluto that was usually getting triggered around 29 of cardinal signs is now being brought to the fixed signs. And to me, it adds kind of like a broad strokes um, feeling of really big pieces needing to shift kind of tectonically. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the tricky thing about that, of course, especially if you're someone who has a lot of fixed placements, they're, they're not the most movie around y that's not very comfortable, which is, um, interesting against the backdrop of us moving into this mercurial Gemini season with the sun. At the same time, we've got these different, um, tension points between these fixed areas of life. Leo, that often has to do with a feeling of uh, selfhood and identity and like emotional honesty. And then Taurus, um, which I would wager any Taurus placement right now would like a break. <laughs> would like kind of the steadiness that we, um, that we know Taurus for, even though there's been a lot of action in Taurus. And then Aquarius where... Um, it, it sort of feels to me like there's some, there are changes that are kind of irrevocable coming, which sounds a little foreboding. I don't know yeah. that it has to be, um, but it's, it's really one of those that I feel like we're going to have to experience and just notice as we experience it because it's so new, but I want to know what you think too. Mel. Oh. Well, no, I it, change, change. That's really, yeah. Change. It's like our, and speaking as someone who is a fixed person, um, I mean, to some extent, I've got fixed angles, which is going to make me a fixed person. I got cardinal things. I got mutable things. So luckily, you know, like I, you know, I feel for all you fixed people out there that are like primarily fixed because it has been a ringer, you know, between uh, Saturn and Aquarius, (laughs) the Saturn Uranus square, Um, you know, even just Jupiter and Saturn conjuncting where Pluto is right now. That's because that's the big thing is like, just like you said, Joe, like when we have these planets moving into zero degrees of, uh, fixed signs at, even if there's not, even if Pluto's hanging out somewhere else, you know, we're still activating this Jupiter Saturn kind of ghost degree, so to speak, that is just sitting there. 
And, you know, this is a 20 year cycle. This is all about like where we're going, how, you know, how we're growing, what are we solidifying? What are we crystallizing? What, where are we crystallized that needs to like break up and and grow? And it's not just on the individual level, it's on the collective level. You know, we're talking Mm -hmm. about highly collective energies as well. So I think we're definitely going to see some things in in the news stream around this time. Um, But, you know, I feel it in my own life, like there's, I mean, some people, it's weird because you're right. Like the fixed, trying to move fixed energy sometimes is like, you ever like pick up a concrete block, you know, it doesn't, it, it can only be this big, but then you pick it up and you're like, God, Damn, that's so heavy. Why is it so heavy? You know, so it's like trying to pick up these bricks or these concrete blocks and it's like, and move them around and it's slow and it takes time and it can be frustrating. And it's like, but, you know, Jupiter is coming in and saying, because I feel like when Jupiter activates anything, it's like, all right, where are we, where are we growing? How's this expanding? How is it moving forward? Um, and sometimes moving forward means something has to go or die or, you know, like that's, that's the thing is like a lot of times you see Jupiter aligned with, uh, death energies because it is, it's like, what's the next stage, you know? Um, and especially with Pluto here, uh, you know, but like you said, there is, we got to remember that Pluto, Pluto's just getting situated. Like yes. we, we don't know, you know, we gotta, we gotta ease into whatever this Pluto energy is in Aquarius and especially with whatever house it is, you know, activating for you, especially if you're a whole sign house system, right. You know, we're in a totally different house energy and Pluto just stationed retrograde too. So a lot of that tension, a lot of that, you know, kind of tra- that transformative energy that Pluto likes to be associated with is happening inside, um, and, and Jupiter's putting pressure on that. So, you know, you can stay in your fixed hovel like me and you can have like, for a perfect example, my partner is like, when are we going to move? You've been in this house for 18 years. You like, like doesn't seem like you want to go anywhere. You want, and it's frustrating me. Like Jupiter's moving mm-hmm. into my seventh house of partnerships. Right. You know, and it's like, right. it's like, and it's, something's got to change. And then Mars, Mars gets aggressive about it. Mars like, you know what? We got to do something we got to do something and and take some action here. We got to use this awareness that we've gained, like gained through all this tension that's taking place. Right. Because I mean, Mars is in Leo, which is the sun sign. So, uh, hopefully there's an amount of awareness that we can gain (laughs) with what's going on around us to be able to then push through some of this fixed energy to go to the next stage. And that's not, that's not comfortable. That's the thing. T scores are activating. Mm-hmm. but they challenge us. They, they frustrate us. Um, but sometimes frustration leads to like the movement and the action, uh, in the breaking apart of the pieces in order to go forward. So that's, that's sort of my take on it just from a probably very personal <laughs> standpoint, but yeah. No, no, I think that's so true. And, you know, anytime we have a slower moving planet, like Jupiter moving into a different sign, like I think about the context of where it's been. And what's interesting about this T-square is Mars um, will have been in Cancer this whole time, ruling Jupiter in Aries. So there's already a connection between these two planets. And then as the ingress happens, we have a really big switch. We go from like Jupiter in Aries, like really striving. And um, it, it has felt to me like 
a lot of desire and passion that's very goal oriented and directed, whether how, how successful we've been at like producing results is a kind of a different story perhaps. But then when there's this switch, suddenly Mars, that's had a lot of kind of, I think needed recuperation time in a water sign after like eight years in Gemini. Jesus. (laughs) I know. I'm like, don't, I don't even want to talk about it. Um, (laughs) But, but but then we have Mars getting some fire back and like Mars is a fiery planet already. So it's like, um, I wonder if at the same time, there might be this resistance to change that we often see in fixed signs. But I I wonder if there might also be, um, sort of a, a real hunger for a, a result too. And maybe we can talk a little bit more about that when we see what transits are being activated specifically, mm. but with Jupiter and Taurus, with the North node, like I want to see this dream become real. And like, I want to see kind of the proof, like I want to be able to touch it and feel it. Um, and I kind of wonder if some of these Leo ingresses we're seeing during Gemini season might feel a little bit like, okay, can you as a person hold all that you're wanting to make manifest? Like, can you personally hold that and the tension there too? So um, yeah. I'm very hyper fixated on the Leo ingresses for, <laughs> for reasons. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, you got some Leo. You got some Leo hanging out over there. And the the Venus retrograde coming up. This I summer know. Too. Super yeah. interested in how we see that foreshadowed. Yeah, absolutely. Cause that is going to be a big thing, right? Because what, mm-hmm. just what you were saying earlier, we got to remember, you know, Jupiter moving through the, the last degrees of Aries as we speak, uh, you know, this podcast will probably come out, um, around the time that Jupiter moves into Taurus, but it's been under Mars's domain for quite some time mm-hmm. here. And Mars has just been chilling, not chilling in a uh, cancer. <laughs> steaming brewing um and uh then all of a sudden we're in jupiter's in venus territory but you know Mm -hmm. you think that like venus like okay yeah your little venus venus hanging out with cancer that's a nice that's a nice vibe but venus Mm -hmm. is going to be retrograding retrograded in the sign that has to deal, you know, once again with kind of that, that heart and that that sense of self and the expression and what you, what you want out of life, you know, the solar Mm -hmm. qualities. And so I think that's a big thing with us, the pieces of the puzzle rearranged slowly, but surely it's always going to bring us back to ourselves, right? You know, if we are making these big changes, what do we want? What is, what are our desires? right? You know, what do we desire Mm -hmm. as people? What do we desire as individuals, you know? And then, so that's sometimes a thing we got to connect with in ourselves to be able to meet another person or to meet the world, um, and to do so in a way that's authentic. Um, and you know, Mm -hmm. you know, sovereign was a good word for Leo as well. And, um, yeah. So there's, I feel like in many ways, there's a lot of getting to know ourselves again. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah, for sure. So, well, Gemini, you know, Gemini season will ultimately bring us many options to entertain, right? You know, because that's the yes. idea of uh, air, especially mutable air, right? Mutable is all about the transition space. We're kind of in that double-bodied energy. We look we look at our lives through uh, an awareness of duality, you know, this is true. And so is that. And so what does mm-hmm. that mean? And so how do I look at that? Um, and you know, Mercury, Mercury loves to speed things up too, right? Maybe not right now yes. with the Taurus and still retrograde. True. Um, but there's something to be said once Mercury gets out of that, that, um, um, 
Well, it will be out of actually when I'm so I'm thinking real time right now as Joe and I are speaking, the Mercury is going to uh, station here on Mother's Day here on the 14th. So it will be slowly but surely moving forward. So it'll take a little bit for that Gemini sun to kind of come in here. But um, yeah, so we got uh, all these ideas and potentialities uh, that are going to be at play. And what better time to uh, you know, entertain such things than when these big fixed pieces are trying to move around. So, I mean, how do you, what do you even think about Gemini energy and Mercury or even mutable air and in general and how that might apply to some of the things that we're talking about in the moment? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a mercurial person myself. Um, I have plenty of Virgo placement, so it's not the same as Gemini, but there is such a, there's a really lovely curiosity with Gemini energy in general, that mutable air that wants to play with all the options and explore all the options and really values that freedom to, um, you know, to change our minds about things, to do something different, to try something different and just see what happens. And I think, um, in, you know, in the Northern hemisphere where we both live, you know, it kind of coincides with the world getting warmer overall and things, it feels like there's more movement and aliveness. And that's kind of, um, a feeling or a quality I get with Gemini in general anyway. And I think this is going to, and I hope this is going to bring kind of a freshness to some of the kind of bigger pieces that are moving around a lightness that is probably needed, um, and, you know, let's, let's not forget that like, there can be, imagine me about to say this about Gemini, the twins. It's like, there can be two kinds of Geminis. There can be way more than just two, but <laughs> there can be the very chatty, very social, you know, your calendar is just booked out. You're always doing something and having all these different, um, things to go do and explore, or there's a kind of more internal manifestation where it's like the researcher, where you're like going down rabbit holes and learning all you can about these various subjects. And I think more of that internal or almost introverted version of Gemini energy can be really good for kind of logically assessing some of the things that are going on. Because mm. um, what we're going to see with Mars and Venus, particularly sort of during Gemini season. Um, and then Venus later in the year, um, Venus and Mars are very visceral planets. They, they very much have to do with the passions we can like feel in our bodies. Um, and sometimes a good balance is a little bit of that intellectual side where it's like, okay, I'm going to take some notes on these big feelings I'm having, or these experiences that are going on. And it can give us just a nice, helpful supplement, um, which, you know, the, the hope always is to not go too overboard and still balance the wisdom of our minds and bodies together. Um, but it might be a nice kind of complement to the other things going on this season. Yeah. Right. And I mean, maybe that's part of the challenge too. It's like our minds are useful tools. <clears throat> Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Especially mm -hmm. when we have to look at our lives and and kind of put them into these camps, you know, like we think about, when I think about Gemini, I think about the pros and the cons list, right? Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. Like, or this, or I know this and I know that, you know, like, and how do we weigh these differences out? Um, and and using the mind as a tool to help us get uh, a better grip or understanding from a logical 
placement, um, but mm. also knowing that the, the mind is not the authority of our lives, you know, yes. and not getting caught in it because that's the thing too, is it's like, you start to ping pong and it's like one day you, you, you're like, I align with this. And the next day you align with this. And it's like, well, which is it? I don't know. And then that's when you got to drop into the body, right? You got to drop into the heart. Mm-hmm. You got to drop into the feelings, the intuition, you know, your instinct, um, and what that looks like for you. And so that's, I think that sometimes that's the challenge of Gemini season is to, is to use the mind wisely, but realize it's not the, the, the ultimate say. Um, but that being said, one of the things that you, you said really resonates with me about Gemini and Gemini season is the change of mind. Like that, that's powerful, right? Especially if we're like going through all these fixed energies, right? You know, and even thinking about Mm -hmm. like what you were talking about earlier in in the, in the story, right? You know, like think about changing your mind around your own story and what that looks like, the story of the past, the story of the present, the story of the potential future, you know, like it's as cliche as it sounds. It's like, you know, what do they say? You're, you, you, uh, you change your, uh, oh man, I'm messing it up. Mercury, mm-hmm. your, <laughs> your perception is your reality, right? You know, you, yeah. you change your mind, you change your life. Like, and talk about a setup, celestial sure. setup for that right now. So I think that's a, it can be a thing. It can be a yeah. thing. I welcome it. Um, so yeah. So, and then what you said too, is like, we start to feel, especially in the Northern hemisphere, we start to feel that, you know, the warmth of uh, almost summer, right. Mm-hmm. Cause it's a transitional s- season. And that's the thing too, is like, we're in this in between sort of space. That's just the nature of the, the sign itself and like embracing that, um, and the space of kind of dancing in two spaces, but it's so like, we're in a weird position with lunar energy. I don't want to pick your brain about this real quick because, you know, ever since the, uh, the back to back Aries new moons and the one being a solar eclipse at 29 degrees, now we're having all these new moons that are at the end of signs. So we basically get to experience a whole season, but under the lunar energy of the season before. And so we have a late degree Taurus new moon that happens just days before, you know, Gemini season starts. Um, and so what, what's your take on kind of living in this, the previous lunar energy while we're in the season of the next? Yeah. I mean, for this season specifically, it feels to me, um, like, uh, just how this, this Taurus energy and the Taurus areas of our charts, like are still so much in focus, even though we have some big ingresses into other signs, um, and it's Gemini season, as far as the sun goes, Um, there's some kind of storyline that is like taking this long to really work itself out in Taurus. And I feel like this corresponds to Mercury's retrograde in Taurus, the eclipse in Taurus. Um, and I think overall, uh, what I'm, what I'm really hoping to see is this new moon in the late degrees of Taurus is a nice leveling out and kind of smoothing out, um, because it's not an eclipse. (laughs) Thank God. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yes. It's just, there's been so much churning with that. And, you know, personally for me, this past eclipse season, 
it wasn't bad or like nothing. There wasn't like upheaval or anything, but it just feels like that storyline sort of in my chart, it feels kind of worked. So it's, it's hope, hopefully some kind of stabilizing in that area where things just get maybe a little more clear, even if they're not all figured out. And then hopefully the lightness of Gemini season with that lunar signature of Taurus will be like a good mixture of like, things aren't so dire. Like this thing that I thought was an immovable object, like can be adjusted a little bit, but it doesn't feel like there's an earthquake right there or something. Yeah. Um, the kind of like a little mixture of both. Um, I'm looking forward to that new moon before Gemini season. I love that. That makes it makes so much sense really, because that's the interesting thing about it, right? It's going to be in in Taurus, but then we're going to have mutable quarters, a full Mm -hmm. moon in Sag, you know, like, Sometimes in order to get us back to um, the balance and the peace and the stability, there needs to be the shift. There needs mm-hmm. to be the the transition that takes place. Um, and so I, I love that. I love that narrative. Um, and I'm going to stick with it and hope that that's, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. the case. Because I feel, like, I feel like those areas are just worked. Like having been... Yeah they're, they're done. They're, take it out of the oven. Mm-hmm. Stick a fork in it. Honestly, in it. it's done. Honestly. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. So, all right. Well, um, other than that, just some, uh, some brief like heads up. We already talked about Mercury is, you know, has station direct in Taurus. It's going to slowly pick up speed and then move into Gemini. So I think that we're going to see two facets of Gemini season. We're going to see the, the, (laughs) the hanging out still in Taurus trying to get it's like like that turtle. Mercury is a turtle right now, which is not normally it's, uh, you know, it's, it's way of being, but it's kind of like what you were saying earlier with thinking about the two sides, two (laughs) two potentials of Gemini and more of that. I'm busy. I'm out there. I'm always, you know, doing things in that more internalized, like let's research this, let's gather all the, uh, the information. And I think we might kind of see that switch happens where we might see gathering, (laughs) you know, in Mm -hmm. the, in the beginning, taking that slower pace. But then once it gets into Gemini, um, there'll be a little more, uh, you know, things, things happen. Um, and of course we got Venus still moving through cancer. She's going to enter Leo, which we already talked about here, but she's going to be in Leo for a long stay. So we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more once we get to, uh, her ingress there. And of course, Mars is going to be in Leo for the entire transit. So we got, we got some different storylines, uh, here. So let's go ahead. If you're watching the video, we're going to share the chart and start going through what this season is going to look like. Um, all right. So we have Gemini season starting May 21st, 2023, uh, 12.09 AM here in San Diego on the Pacific coast. We already talked about the fact that we have this, <laughs> you know, look at this setup with, with, well, okay, let's talk about that. Right. So the second the sun moves into Gemini, it's going to bring a light to the tension, right? It's going to make a uh, a trine with that Pluto retrograde in Aquarius. It's going to make a sextile with Mars and Leo right there. So, I mean, talk about an entry. Joe, what do you think the sun's going to help maybe alleviate or maybe not alleviate, but <laughs> hopefully uh, with that placement? Yeah, that's... Um... 
That's so interesting. I'm I'm just glad anything's trining Pluto yeah. in Aquarius. <laughs> <laughs> um, not that I think it's been super hard with the squares, of course, but you know, this to me feels like how stuck things can get in fixed signs um, or fixed states of mind, which of course, like I, I have fixed angles too. So I'm very familiar with the, like getting really tunnel visioned. And this feels like opening a door and like the breeze blowing through and like mm. kind of blowing some notes off the desk type of thing and being like, Oh no, I was doing all this overthinking about that. And it's like, okay, that's good that you lost that research. <laughs> like, because maybe it's time to just kind of breathe some new life into something, get a fresh perspective on something, um, and be able to see this sun Pluto trine specifically feels to me a little bit like, um, especially if some of the changes that are being foreshadowed in the Aquarius part of your chart, have you a little anxious or they feel really big. Um, the sun being like, no, 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 no. here's what we can do with this. Like here, here are the ways, um, and the things that are possible. And so I'm hoping this feel this brings a feeling of things just feeling more possible when you look at them from different vantages. And then there's the sextile with Mars, um, who, you know, is ruled by that sun in Gemini that uh, brings in that action piece. Cause we can think about it, think about yeah. it, think about it all day long. But then there's this potential for like, I feel empowered to like take a step in this direction and try this new thing or like do this experiment. Um, just feeling a little more lightness around the possibility. Uh, so that's kind of how this feels to me. And I, that, that seems like a pretty positive start to Gemini season, honestly. It does. And, and uh, like what, what a blessing to have the sun tap into these two planets, right? Because Mm -hmm. we have an interesting story that is like just brewing at the beginning of Gemini season, uh, other than the T-square we're talking about. But, you know, we basically have in the first couple days, we have this motivating, you know, sun sextile to Mars. I think that the, the, just the visual of the door opening and the breeze blowing in, um, like it was very visceral for me when he said that I could just, I could feel it. I was like welcoming it. I was like, you know, you ever just feel the, like go outside and you feel the wind on your face. And there's just this sense of spaciousness and freedom and, and, um, yeah, freshness. And it's, it's so nice. And it's, and it's crisp and it warms you up and it, you know, like it gets you excited. Mm-hmm. So I think it's so helpful, right? Because Mars, you know, as, as the days go on here, <laughs> you know, oh, don't want months, don't want days. Okay. Mars as the days go on, right. You know, it is going to make a, uh, that square to, uh, Jupiter, mm-hmm. um, on, uh, the 22nd, 20, well, really around there, you know, it doesn't, we don't even have to have days with this. Like we're really going to feel it probably more right on the, on Wednesday, you know, when, uh, Wednesday to the 24th, when the moon gets into Leo and activates all this energy. Um, but you know, we got Mars squaring, uh, Jupiter, uh, in this T square. And also, you know, Mars keeps moving along to get to the bending of the nodes. So there's this, tu- this turning point. <laughs> Joe's eyes got big. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're, the whites of your eyes got 
(laughs) So there is, there's this interesting Mars story. um, And I think the solar opportunity that comes in with the Gemini ingress is really helpful with the potential of like where Mars could actually really go overboard sometimes with Jupiter, uh, a square to Mm -hmm. Jupiter, right? And then being at the crunch of the nodes and like (laughs) this kind of destined place. But I don't know. What what do you think about kind of just these Mars moves? And it's an interesting setup, especially with that Leo moon coming in being like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's true. (laughs) I always love to like animate the chart by like day and hour to see when the moon is pinging these kind of, um, slight, like medium sized transits. Yeah. So my eyes got big when you mentioned Mars and the nodes, which is hilarious because I did not do that on purpose, but, um, (laughs) it's, I think planets hitting the bendings of the nodes, uh, is really interesting. And this is not just any planet hitting the bendings. It's Mars who rules the South node. So Mars is already involved with the ax, the nodal story, that nodal axis story, the eclipse story really. Um, and it is coming to a close, um, over the course of the summer. If we look at it outside of eclipse season, but with the nodal transits themselves, um, and, For me, it it seems to me like planets that hit this spot square both the nodes sometimes have this caught between feeling where it's like they can see both sides of a story or of an issue um, or what have you. And it can feel like, okay, but which one is right? Um, Not that there is always a right one and a wrong one, because I don't think that's how it works with the nodes, but that feeling of being caught between can sometimes come through pretty strongly. And, you know, when we're talking about Mars, especially in a sign like Leo, um, where there can be stuff that comes up around pride and maybe proving ourselves, whether that's to someone else or to ourselves or whatever it is, um, the, the feelings I'm going to be watching for during this time are, you know, overcorrecting perhaps. Um, if there's a lot of tension in some areas and Mars might feel really empowered after having spent a lot of time in cancer, much more of a, um, felt experience kind of place it, we, we may get this kind of energy surge. And I think it's a good time to kind of keep things in perspective where we can and make sure that we are listening to our hearts, that really heart centered kind of Leonine solar um, wisdom, but at the same time, knowing, you know, Jupiter's involved, Pluto's involved. We may want to be seeing big changes or big movements if we've been feeling a little bit stuck or run down, but but we got to keep it right-sized at the same time. Mars and Jupiter have this like one-upping each other kind yeah. of feeling sometimes where it's like they goad each other on. Um, so that's something I'll kind of be watching for is, uh, you know, are we overcorrecting? Are we trying to do too much because we feel the need to usher in these changes, or we just want something to be different. Those kinds of things come to mind. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It has this, uh, yeah. Cause it's easy to go. It's easy to go overboard. Right. Maybe not intentionally. Um, yeah. 
like sometimes we go overboard. We don't realize it until like after the fact, it's like, you know, 100%. a couple of weeks go by and then you're all of a sudden you're like, I agreed to all this. Like, and I did this. Oh. And I said that. And I'm like, <laughs> and you're like, Oh my God, you know? Yeah. Uh, so just to be, you know, aware of that. Um, but we have an interesting setup with this going on. Um, and things getting maybe a little just testy in general, just with Mars feeling in that in, in between space that you're, that you're talking about. And now it's getting a, a solar injection where before it was kind of mm-hmm. more in that in internalized lunar emotions, which can be very volatile, right? You know, the, sure. with Mars and cancer and fall there, but there's also that thing of like the bright sun and like that connection with the self and it can, it can overcorrect. And maybe especially in relationships too, because at the same time on this day of Wednesday, May 24th, Wednesday is probably going to be a little bit of a, an active day for, for us folks on planet earth. Um, but we also have that Venus, uh, in cancer making a square to Chiron. So, um, if you are a Chiron follower, you know that, you know, sometimes things get a little triggered and crunchy, uh, especially since (laughs) Chiron is in Aries and and is, uh, you know, Mars is, uh, defer or Chiron's deferring to that Martian energy that is, uh, lit up right now. Um, so, you know, for the, for your own sake of, relating with others for your own sake of personal balance and inner, you know, self-care. Sometimes we can go overboard. Like you get in the gym and you're like, Oh, you know what? I've been, I want to, I want to take off these 10 pounds or I, or I want to build this muscle mass. And then you like, go just work yourself like crazy. And then you, you go home and you're that Venus and cancer is like, Oh my God, can't move. I overdid mm-hmm. it. I'm like, <laughs> you know, So, uh, that's an interesting, um, and then she's going to sextile Uranus just a couple days later. So this whole week is, is very intriguing. Um, that starts out Gemini season because I mean, relationships can get a little crunchy, but then there's also this sort of kind of breakthrough or the, the space or, um, just something can kind of like alleviate or liberate in some way. I mean, what do you think about Venus and her kind of her moves within this Martian Jupiter Pluto territory? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing too, is that Venus and cancer square Chiron, that's, that's who's in charge of this first little part of Jupiter's ingress into Taurus. Yeah. So it's like that it's almost like the Mars, we can see the ways in which um, these storylines are connected. And as you were talking about the like kind of crunchy, like <laughs> that made me laugh because I was like, oh, crunchy and triggered, like relatable set of words. Um, you know, this, it it made me just think of this idea of just, kind of out with it. Like just, even mm. if you are feeling really sorry for yourself or kind of hurting your own feelings about some things, like let it get out and then let yourself really see it and let it be heard in, you know, ways that are safe with people who are safe, because sometimes, um, really letting that out instead of keeping it in and letting it fuel, maybe these kind of Marshall storylines, the like chip on our shoulder type of energy, just letting it be both. Like part of you is going to be experiencing Mars and Leo, you know, ruled by the sun in Gemini. Like I can do this. We can do this new thing. That's different. Yeah. hundred percent. Let's try it. And then some part of you may be 
really embodying Venus and cancer where you're like, actually I'm baby. This is really, really hard. And I don't know if I can do it. Um, <laughs> how can you let both exist, which is Gemini season to a T, which yeah. is Gemini energy to a T. Um, because it's like when you allow a feeling to be fully felt, um, and really come into acceptance of it. It's like, that's where that Uranus sextile can come in and sort of open a window where there wasn't one before, or just have, um, kind of, again, a feeling of possibility where things feel more possible sometimes when you let things be exactly as they are. Um, because when you try to hide parts of yourself from yourself, um, you're, you're also hiding possibilities from yourself. It's like, you can't, you can't pick and choose, like, I'm going to limit this part of my expression. And it's like, when you're doing that, it's like, you are, you know, choosing not to look one entire direction where, yeah, there may be scary things over there, but there are also doorways and there are different paths for you to go down and things like that. So that's kind of the, the word salad as it is (laughs) the feeling, this kind of, uh, setup of configuration gives me. Oh, I love thinking about that in that, in those terms, because when we pull out and like, look at the bigger cycle of, you know, especially like Mars sun synodic cycle, right. You know, Mm -hmm. this is, this is the last, you kind of that closing sextile, um, for -hmm. this elongated cycle. So there is this, like, I like, I like the idea of like, you know, um, opening, opening a window where there was a door. That's not a saying. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like they're both passageways, but you know, that, that, yeah, what what is possible within this period of time, even if it's, you know, we're kind of like excited about it, but we're also vulnerable with it and things are a little mm. crunchy and we're we're uh we're we're getting intuitive hits and we are, you know, we're we want something different. I mean, that's the sense are we're attracted, let's say that, especially with Venus. Mm-hmm. We're attracted um from, you know, like a a nourishment standpoint, like in order to feel like nourished and connected with, with ourselves and our souls and our, what we need at this world, you know, there, it, something needs to kind of shake up and and give a little. And so Mars can help there, right? Because Mars helps. And same with the sun, it gives us that consciousness and gives us that directive because unless we actively change things and move pieces around and, and, you know, grow in, in a, in a, not a different direction, but the direction that feels right, that keeps us from being mm-hmm. stuck or stagnant, you know, uh, we're, we're nourished. We're filled up in that way of moving forward, right? Because the sun and Mars are going to meet later this year in Scorpio yes. for, for a nice, Nice strong conjunction uh, for for a couple of year cycle that will be starting there, and this is essentially the last Ptolemaic aspect before that happens in um, November. So you can kind of think about in these bigger story arcs of what's being motivated within this time, even though we do go, go through the ups and downs of like what that feels like. There can be a bigger story that is seated later in the fall based on the motivations of this moment. Yes, absolutely. All right. Mm-hmm. So what a what a start to the <laughs> what a start to Gemini season. So oh, oh so we're gonna we're gonna kick off um with uh, a few days down the road. We make it to Saturday 
uh, May 27th. And that's when we are going to go through uh, first quarter in Virgo. Um, so, you know, we got a new moon in Taurus, then a first quarter in Virgo. So we have these like on back to back, like initiating active pushing energies in, you know, earth. Um, mm-hmm. To me, this feels very like, like, uh, like cleaning house, like getting the, not not even a cleaning house, but just getting things done. Like, I don't know. How do you feel about this? Like weekend feels very, um, especially because it's not only just that first quarter in Virgo, we also have, oh, you know, the sun squaring Saturn and Pisces. So we have a T square with, with the moon and the sun and Saturn. Um, We'll back yeah. to the back to the crunchy, but activating. <laughs> what, back, what's your take? Back to the crunchy. You know, I look forward to every time something makes an aspect to Saturn now, just because this is such a different Saturn story right. than we've had for like six years. Um, and you know, these there there's still when the moon aspects Saturn in Pisces or other planets make an aspect to Saturn in Pisces. My personal experience has still been that you can feel that Saturnian quality, kind of a sense of tightening um, or solidifying. Um, it reminds me of kind of like a weighted blanket or like a mm. corset or something, just a little, a little more snugness. Um, but it doesn't feel as like in interminable as Saturn and Aquarius did, um, especially for these fixed placements, you know, fixed placements now have Pluto to contend with, (laughs) but, you know, I think this Saturn and Pisces time period, um, is, is really showing us, you know, okay. So here's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, as these changes are ushered in by Pluto and Aquarius, um, through some of the transits we've been talking about already and some that are happening in the summer, et cetera. Um, a lot of, a lot of the Saturn story for the past several years has felt like within all these big pieces of our lives that are shifting, there's that one that's just always like that, where it's like, that's the thing you can't change. That's the non-negotiable. And Saturn often has this kind of non-negotiable feeling, um, but, but it's shifting now. It feels like there's a lot more choice and flexibility in like, what is the non-negotiable thing you have to work around? And is it as immovable as you thought? Mm. And like, where, where is, what's the source of that? Is it a belief you hold? Um, we are talking about Saturn and Pisces, you know, this is Jupiter's water sign. It's a mutable sign. It has yeah. so much to do with belief. And so while the sun and moon both are kind of challenged by Saturn, that's a classic hard aspect to Saturn thing. It's bringing us back to our own beliefs in a way versus bringing us back to like our own inner critic or um, these immovable forces in the world or in our lives or what have you. And kind of reminding us that you know, if you really want things to change, like change your non-negotiable or shift it to something else. doesn't mean give it up, um, but it means really examine those things um, and examine what your beliefs are about these things. And just these mutable quarters for the moon, it just feels like adjustment. Like it does feel like cleaning house. It does feel like saying, 
okay, so amidst all of these big things, like what are, what are the small and medium things that you can kind of shore up Mm. and adjust and tweak and optimize a little bit, um, in between. So you're not totally sucked in all the time to just the big features in the landscape. Yeah. I love that. Right. Because Virgo, it, it pieces it out. It's all about that mm-hmm. discernment. It's like, let's focus on the little things or, you know, the stuff that needs our attention um, in, in the moment or all those, you know, like the biggest change you could ever make is doing a few small things a day. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's like getting, getting on that mindset, right? You know, that's the, there's a great book uh, that talks about that called The Slight Edge. I don't know if anybody's heard of that book, but um, it's a wonderful book to kind of get into those Virgoan qualities of what you can do and the things that don't feel really matter, but they really add up to the biggest things when you are consistent with them. And this is a very Saturn territory, right? Mm-hmm. But I love what you were talking about with the non-negotiable and looking at um, Saturn and, you know, because Saturn crystallizes, we hold that space. We all have our Saturn parts um, where we kind of hold strong and like, this is who we are, you know, with this, but the beauty of Gemini season to me, a lot of times is it gets us back to the why, why, Yes, you know, and I think that's a big part of making decisions in life, um, especially when we're at these kind of crux moments is the why behind anything that we do, we think, we say, we believe, you know, why? Because if we're just running on autopilot, um, on something that has crystallized over time, you know, from past experience, from conditioning, whatever it might be, um, you know, is it, is it, where's, where's the why? And does that why still hold up? Cause if the why exactly. does not hold up, <laughs> That's where kind of what Joe was just saying about like the beauty of Saturn and Pisces is it it has the ability to lean into Jupiter's um, that that shift to you know move forward uh, in life um, and and break apart some of the crystallization in a way that doesn't lose the core of who we are but can take off like the added weight or the burden of something that doesn't have the proper why behind it anymore. Um, and that, that's a big thing, right? Cause we, part of, we're going to get to the end of this season. And the last thing that happens is Jupiter making a sextile to Saturn, right? And Jupiter sitting near the North node. We're about to talk about this. So everything that's kind of come, I'm getting tingles just thinking about that, you know, everything's mm-hmm. kind of coming up <laughs> and like, yeah. So I, yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. There's there's a bigger narrative, but also a smaller piece in this moment, uh, the weekend of May 27th, that can help move that along. Definitely. Wow. So let let's let's talk about that Jupiter Jupiter node, right? Yes. June, let's talk about it. June first. <laughs> I think, where is it? Come on. Where is it? Yeah. June 1st. Uh, so we, we have an interesting, like, um, <laughs> all right, there, there's a setup. Uh, so after that, um, after that first quarter in Virgo, we kind of get this interesting in-between space where there's not as much happening other than the moon doing its thing, which is always doing something right. But 
later on in that week, uh, June 1st on Thursday, and of course we're going to have the moon in Scorpio then, right? So the moon's going to, is going to cruise over the South node, just as Jupiter is lining up to the North node, um, for a conjunction. And, you know, this does not happen every day. Doesn't happen every day in Taurus. That's for sure. Um, so thoughts on, uh, Jupiter nodal action. Yeah, you know, why caveat real quick while Venus is trining Neptune, right? Because with with ruling that, go ahead, take it away. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, This, I, this Venus trine (laughs) Neptune, um, you'll, you'll have to, once we talk about Jupiter in the North node, I think it's like the next day we get the moon, like completing a grand water trine. Is that what we get? I think, yeah. Yeah. Look at that. This is moody and broody and like perfect for just like entering your feelings, like unapologetically. Honestly, I kind of love that. Although it's, it's, it's a pretty tender. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm into it. Um, but this, this Jupiter North node thing, you know, um, Austin Kopic has such a great a class on uh, a great class on the lunar nodes and eclipses. And I took it years ago and I reviewed it recently. Um, I, I guess if last year is still recent, I can't believe it's May right now as we're recording. <laughs> um, but he, he talks a lot about the North node bringing things into materiality where the South node tends to kind of spiritualize almost Mm. and has more of an ascetic quality. And so I've been thinking about Jupiter and the North node and Taurus. And of course, Taurus is related to materiality also um, because it's so based on the senses. It's like the earthiest earth sign. And this feels like a classic wanting of more and more and more. And the, the way I'm kind of experimenting with thinking about this is what does it mean that Jupiter is here post Jupiter in Aries? Um, and what does it mean that this is anchored in Venus in Cancer? This, this tender part of us, this vulnerable part of us, this really connected intuitive part of us is what's directing this um, kind of desire. And I almost wonder if um, if this Jupiter North node stuff, which I think I might've tried to touch on this briefly earlier is kind of about really longing to see some results, like mm, wanting to be like, yeah. well, where's the proof of how hard I've been working or like how, how much of this work I have been doing. I have been, um, questioning the why I have been looking at my non-negotiables and, you know, negotiating them and like really, really doing this personal work. And I want to be able to see it reflected, um, so I wonder if it might be a little bit of that feeling. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, Venus, Neptune in the background and how this might give kind of an undertone of longing or yearning mm. um, to go along with this Jupiter North node conjunction, because, you know, I'm, I, I can't just take, you know, one thing in isolation yeah. looking at these things. And so it's like, that's sort of how it feels to me. Um, and you know, this is also as we're approaching the, uh, you know, Mercury is approaching Uranus. Mercury is yes. done being retrograde, picking up a little bit of speed. You know, I, there, there could be this feeling of like, okay, so like, I want to see, 
I want to see the results of all my efforts or something like that. That's kind of, and this may just be like, I'm, I'm putting in a lot of my personal experience. Yeah. Too. So I'm really interested to pick your brain about it also. I think you're on point with that. And, you know, and it's a funny thing talking about being astrologers, getting on here and talking about <laughs> a point of, here's the thing. If you have any Leo planets, you're always going to be talking from personal experience because that's how, that's how you know, you know, like I tried to resist person, it for a long time. And it just, but no, that's where the magic is because that's how <laughs> you gain the actual insights that are the truth to you, you mm-hmm. know, is your own personal <laughs> experience and everything that you're saying. A lot of times the truth for you and what you're feeling is a lot is usually a lot of what other people are feeling too. Cause I'm, I feel the same thing. I want to see the results. I've been waiting. Yeah. And waiting. I've been working, yep. working on myself. I've been working on connection. I've been working on, you know, I've been working on all these things, right? I've had the spirit of the Jupiter and Aries. So I think that's a really mm-hmm. good point, right? You know, like the Jupiter is just getting situated in Taurus and it's bringing all that Aries momentum into, you know, like that, that inspiration, that fire, those new beginnings, you know, like the, the, like the push of potential, what, what mm-hmm. we, what could be. Um, but that, you know, like it's very ace of wands energy where it's just like, oh, it's, it could be all this. You got all the fire, but where's that? How do we see that? How do we hold that? How do we, yeah. Yeah. Where's it it at? Yeah, exactly. And so Jupiter on the North node, um, that doesn't mean that it's here today, (laughs) especially like, I love what you bring up about the idea of yearning, right? yearning for the change, the moon in Scorpio, a little brooding, mm, like mm. it's like, at it, so there could be something just about this particular moment where it just gets you so aligned with get it on already. Like, like what needs to happen? What do I have to do? Like what, you know, Mercury's yes. like, let me think I need a breakthrough. Like Uranus, I've been waiting for your energy <laughs> this whole time, you know, right. Cause Mercury stationed right next to Uranus, but not didn't complete the conjunction. So, you know, we've been yearning for the, the tangible and practical breakthrough for a while, um, through this, you know, through eclipse season, through the Mercury retrograde. And so I love that you pointed that out because I think that's a big piece to this puzzle, right? Because we're in Gemini season. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We we need Mercury. Mercury is going to you know, Mercury's wants can deliver that message, Mercury, because we are yearning, we're churning, we want the results. Like, let's get this party started. So, yeah, will it happen today? Don't know about that. Will you will you be at your your point where it's like someone's got to someone's got to give? I'm ready. Move me forward. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Right. So that. Uh, well, then you know. How's that a setup for a full moon in Sagittarius the next day on Saturday, <laughs> June uh, 3rd, yes. right? You know, like the universe, I tell you, it's a, uh, so we got this full moon Saturday evening, um, June 3rd. And you know what? I like a good, a Sag full moon, usually pretty active, but oh, it's yeah. also like Sag, it's a Jupiter ruled moon. You know, we're talking about all this Jupiter, Jupiter energy. Um, And yeah, so there's, it's interesting because the luminaries aren't, 
necessarily doing a whole lot, but we, I think we come back to that, that Mercury Uranus piece you were just we bringing sure up. Do. Yeah. So the thoughts on this Sag full moon. It's, <laughs> you know, it's just funny to me because it's like, it's like, okay, we have like a non-eclipsed lunation and it's not even in Taurus or Scorpio. And it's like, you look at where the ruler of the moon is and look at where the ruler of the sun is yeah. and they're both still in Taurus. So it's linking yeah. us kind of back to this story. And I really liked something you said, because as you said it in, in my mind, I was like, that's exactly the feeling I have been having, you know, personally, which is like, um, not just longing or yearning, but being like, I need a breakthrough. <laughs> like I need a sudden light, like I need something to click into place. I need to find the puzzle piece, that kind of thing. I need something to break loose. Um, even if it kind of like breaks something, yeah. I'll be able to fix it. It just needs something to move in a way that's big. Um, and this full moon feels like kind of a culmination of that kind of energy. And um, you know, it is, it, it is coming back to this Taurus stuff. And it's right around the same time as Mercury is moving towards Uranus. And I think this is a pretty good time to, you know, do what we can intentionally to let loose in, in the ways that we can, there may still, you know, be some things that are kind of stuck or need some movement that aren't exactly within our control, but it's like the things that are within your control to kind of let go with, I would do that. Like we need, like we need a little bit of time to just kind of shake some of this off. Um, some of the heavy feelings or to take a break from the longing or the brooding or whatever it is, and just kind of, um, allow yourself to be kind of filled up. Um, sometimes a Sag moon or a Sag full moon has kind of a, uh, uh, jovially chaotic feeling. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that might be good medicine in this time period with all the Taurus action and the Leo action about to happen. And, um, just really letting that mutability take center stage and take the spotlight for a moment, I think could be, could be really nice. Yeah, I agree. Right. You know, and I think the beauty of the, the sad, sad energy and especially like a sad lunation, especially a full moon, right. You know, things are culminating oh, yeah. They're They're coming into their, their apex of fullness and we're really, really feeling it. And, you know, sad is all about that, that adventure, that optimism, that what, what do we see on the horizon? What that once again, like, like inspired by possibilities and in the bigger story of our life and, you know, uh, being backed by that Jupiter in in Taurus conjunct the North node, you know, like it, it, it's that, you know, they don't necessarily see each other. It's, there's that aversion energy there, but it's putting that fire and that purpose into this tangible story that we want to push forward. And sometimes, you know, attitude is everything like, <laughs> like get yourself so in a good, true. get yourself in a good attitude, right? Because it might be a little funky at first, just because, you know, earlier in that day on Saturday, you know, the moon is going to square that Saturn. Mm -hmm. And so it really brings back in my mind a little bit of what uh, we were talking about earlier and these, these non-negotiables and, and the why and the beliefs and like everything, you know, because a full moon and Sag can all, can definitely bring us to the apex of a belief or a, a, a viewpoint that we're holding um, that is either working for us or it's not, you know, it's uh, the mutability wants to transition and shift 
in some way. And, and hopefully we're getting uh, to this point of, of breakthrough and breaking loose. I liked when you said that, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> all your Virgo planets, I know I have Virgo placements too. And we're like, okay, yeah. we can fix it. We can, you know, just, we, we can fix whatever happens, but unless something gets broke, or just, you know, has an opportunity to, um, be rearranged in some way. And it's not holding fast to a stuck position. Then there there's potential there's, there's change, there's movement. Um, and so that on a bigger storyline, like these things could be taking place, but also in the moment, like you said, Joe, like there's just could be some, just some lovely bit of, chaos and out and about and, and having fun and interaction with people in life in general, um, and kind of filling, filling your cup from, from the vitality of being alive and where life could possibly be heading. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially coming off that square with Saturn as the moon, you know, leads up to that, that peak (laughs) full moon, it just feels to me like, a moment when you're like, you know what, I'm just going to hype myself up anyways. And I just am going to choose to believe that this is possible because just right now, I just, I don't care about the, the rational part of it. I don't really care about the, how I just, I'm just choosing to believe in this. Like when you need that kind of like high flying, like flying by the seat of your pants, like Sagittarius energy, um, because that, that can be good medicine. Um, and just, you know, what does it take before you're fed up with the weight of your own thoughts and Mm. your own, uh, worry and anxiousness. And it's not always as easy as being like, I'm just gonna shift my mindset. Like it's, it isn't that easy, but this full moon, you know, kind of suggests that like it, this kind of thing doesn't always solve all your problems. Um, it isn't always the answer, but like, on, on this particular evening, it might be at least part of the answer. <laughs> sure, yeah. Right. And that's yeah. the beauty of the square with Saturn, right? You know, right. It all comes back to Jupiter, Sag and Pisces mm-hmm. both. So at least, mm-hmm. you know, the tension of the square only has to defer to one placement that is then, you know, working with Saturn, right. Because right. of that, mm-hmm. that sextile that's on the way. So Yeah. No, I, I, I like this full moon in, in many regards, um, mm-hmm. just to kind of like help things shift and to get that, that attitude and that positivity and yeah. 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 Move it along. Move we it just along. need kind of a plain old Sag full moon where it's like, nothing's really <laughs> interrupting it too much. There's nothing that's like, it's just like a nice, it's a nice one. I like it's a it. nice one, but it could be a little bit chaotic. You know, we do yeah, have that Mercury. <laughs> we have that Mercury conjunct Uranus, but you know, That's sometimes chaos, true. like it, it breaks us out of our ourselves. It like, you know, like when you're doing something, you know, shaking it up, you're doing something you haven't done before. You're looking at your, your life from a new lens because you're not, uh, you know, stuck in doing the same things. Like that mm-hmm. would be a great weekend. Right. You know, because, uh, on June, um, June 4th is when, uh, Mercury goes over Uranus, although it'll be, yeah, during that day. So basically this whole entire weekend, you know, like Mm -hmm. do something you haven't done before or do something you normally do in a totally different way. Uh, or, you know, like just, yeah, there's just a possibility to just really move the pieces around enough to feel like life is real is moving forward, but doing 
it in a way that ah, comes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of like the new moon cycle. And like the, the whole purpose of it is to create uh, a, a stability, so to speak. But with all the tension that's been going on, that that stability might not be present without the lack of stability, I guess we could say right. to, <laughs> to bring it back full circle, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And you know, this, this weekend overall, like I'm looking forward to, because, you know, we did need, we did need the stability of just a plain old new moon. I mean, what lunation is just a plain old lunation truly, no, but, not. but just a non-eclipse lunation there at the end of Taurus. Um, and, and that felt like a little bit of like clearing the air so we could get a little bit of a better view of what was happening. And this feels like a little bit of a preamble to Mercury moving into Gemini, um, where Mercury's much better resourced to do all things mercurial. Um, and it feels to me, I looked at this aspect and I thought to myself, you know, if Mercury retrograde, uh, has felt like kind of fumbling around to try to plug something into the wall, but it's like, (laughs) it's dark and you can't really see where it's at. Like this moment feels like you finally plug that thing in and it Mm. like zaps full of electricity and it's like ready to go. And things are starting up, um, in, you know, in regards to whatever this Mercury retrograde was centered around for you, whether it's a project or, um, a relational thing or a routine thing or what have you. I'm wondering if this will be a little burst of life that it needed, or maybe um, at least part of kind of a breakthrough moment of like, I need, I need this breakthrough, especially because as you mentioned, Mercury stationed right before Uranus. Mercury did not make it to Uranus before He's the retrograde. Does. So yeah, so this is like really completing something or arriving somewhere where we had glimpsed it, but then it didn't get there. So I'm really looking forward to how that feels. I just, I just love that analogy of like, cause I, I have been there, you know, you're trying to plug that in. It's, it's dark. It's like, you're trying to do it with one hand, you know, you're like, <laughs> <laughs> and you just start to get frustrated and you're stabbing and you know, it's mm-hmm. not happening. But then when it hits, you're like, yeah, all right, uh-huh. powered up. That's such a great analogy. And I, I, I have a feeling that is going to be the case. I'm like looking at it in my own chart and I'm like, Oh, you're squaring my angles. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, will be pow- I will be powered up. Um, so we got to shift focus though, because we got, we got a planet that is hanging on the edge right now. And this is going to be the mm-hmm. uh, thing with the next week, uh, the week of June 5th, where Oh, Venus here, you know, she is going to start to activate this fixed energy that we were talking about beginning of the program. So she moves into Leo on uh, Monday, June 5th. uh, But we know from our setup here that that creates an immediate opposition with Pluto retrograde in uh, Aquarius. Um, And then she'll just kind of like peter along through the week. Uh, We'll have the moon lighting up that point, um, probably the night of, uh, well, we'll probably be sleeping here um, in in North America. But uh, uh, June 6th, uh, the Aquarius moon will light that aspect up. But she'll basically go on and do what Mars did. She'll oppose uh, Pluto 
And then she's going to square the nodes on Thursday um, with, yes, she's going to square the nodes. And then, of course, she's on her way to square Jupiter as well, which uh, happens on the 11th, uh, which is Sunday. So that whole week, we got Venus making some moves. So we got to talk about Venus and Leo because she's going to be there a long time. Yes, she is until October to stay. (laughs) She is staying. So what do you, I mean, what can we say about Venus and Leo just in a broad sense? Leave Pluto out of it. Leave a retrograde out of it. Right. We're just going to not, we're just going to shelf Pluto for a second. Um, (laughs) So so Venus and Leo um, really centers these solar aspects in what we, what Venus brings to us. So this is the classic like desire for attention or desire to be truly seen. Um, sometimes it can just be like kind of attention seeking, but it can also be such a genuine from the heart um, need uh, that really feels like it really needs to be met for someone to see who you really are. Um, and in order for that to happen, we have to be really honest about who we are and about our desires And I feel like that's such a theme for Venus and Leo in general is getting really honest with ourselves. Um, So we can be honest with uh, who we are radiating our light to and really uh, radiating our desires to as well. Um, There's something kind of unapologetic about Venus in Leo, especially with Mars also in Leo. It has a real feeling of like, well, this is who I am and this is what I want and this is my decision. Um, Those kinds of things. But you know, there's always an internal component, um, an, a more inward facing component, no matter if it's a fire sign or a water sign or what transit it is. And so this, this transit overall could, you know, kind of knowing that Venus will spend a lot of time here may really ask us to step up to the plate and, and uncover where we have been being, um, a little less than honest or maybe compromising with ourselves and where that's no longer possible for us to feel whole and fulfilled. Um, and you know, there, there are themes with Leo around integrity also. So it's not all about taking or getting what you want and ignoring what everybody else needs. It's really about aligning with your integrity, Um, And that includes, you know, accepting yourself and your desires and being in right relationship with yourself so you can be in right relationship with others. Um, But I'm really excited about this transit. So I'm going to pause there because I could talk (laughs) for another hour and I want to hear what you think too. Oh, I know there is so much we can say about it, right? You know, I I agree Mm -hmm. agree with everything you just said about the potentials of uh, Venus and Leo and what she can bring to, to, to the surface here. I mean, at the end of the day, she's going to be backed by the sun, right? And yeah. so, I mean, any any it brings us back to to the core, to the shine, to the, the to the mm-hmm. consciousness, to the awareness, right? And I think sometimes when we're you know doing our best to relate to ourselves, and then in turn relate to others and relate to the world, you know, to to really harken back to a wonderful conversation that I had with uh, Michael J. Morris on the podcast a handful of months ago when we talked about just relationships in general with the planets. You know, we're in a relationship with everything at all time. Um, and here we get a deep dive into 
a light being shined on what that looks like, right? You know, I have a feeling this is a, this is a, a wonderful transit to really bring light into partnership, to bring light into the connection with with yourself, you know. Um, and sometimes light is bright. Sometimes you close your eyes and you're like, oh, I don't want to see that. Or like you're like you're coming out, you're like in a, a cave and like a like yeah. a hermit, and you're like, oh, that's a <laughs> I haven't seen that in a while, but, you know, light has the ability to, you know, um, yeah, just kind of awaken and, and vitalize and, and cleanse in ways, you know, like awareness is necessary. Um, and in order to live in harmony with yourself and with others and to feel this, this sense of wholeness it really comes back to the light getting in touch with what you, you know, some keywords you were saying just earlier, you know, that integrity, that honesty piece, um, that personal sovereignty, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it, so there's a challenge there, right? Because stepping into the light is probably like one of the hardest missions that we have in our whole life, right? You know, like that's, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So here Venus is, she's coaxing us in. She's like, let me tell you about this light. Let me, uh, <laughs> she's like, you yeah. don't have to hide from it. It's, you know, let it, let it, let it purge you. Let it, you know, cause she will eventually be rebirthed into the solar light in its domicile. That's the beauty of this coming in the, coming in the summer here. So we're going to get a strong dose of the sun and Venus's rebirth in that, um, which is, I'm sure we can go on for that too. But that's sort of what I think about, I mean, Venus and Leo, but really highlighting this transit. So for sure. And, you know, as you were sharing, it occurred to me, this is like, this is the first Leo transit we've had without Saturn being in Aquarius opposing it. And I love that for us. <laughs> like the first... Like I'll I'm thinking it. of that. Great. Yeah. Cause just in yeah. March. So there's this opportunity to kind of step into the light or for things to be illuminated, um, without, uh, such a strong planet creating that tension in that opposite sign. So I'm really looking forward to what that feels like and kind of what we can do with that awareness and how that might feel different and show itself differently. Yeah. Yeah, we're getting, we're not getting Saturn. We're getting Jupiter. That's true. We're getting Jupiter, which, you know, <laughs> yes, you're like, are. what, two benefics? How could that go wrong? <laughs> you know, but <laughs> there's a, yeah, there, you know, there's, everything has its challenges. Everything has its blessings, but, you know, Venus coming in and just touching Pluto right before Pluto is getting ready to, you know, leave this sign, right? You know, Pluto mm -hmm. is on the edge of Aquarius right now. Um, but you know, that's always, that always brings us to a spot with all these Venus themes that we're talking about when Pluto's involved, right? We had a last Pluto or we had a last Venus retrograde <laughs> with Pluto, right? You know, and whew, that was a doozy. Yeah. Um, it, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it sure was. was, it was, it was, I made it through. We made it yep. through. We but, made um, it. We're here today. <laughs> we are here today to tell the tale. Uh, but there is something to be said about, you know, kind of staring down this, um, 
you know, the, the darker side or the regenerative process, right. You know, of what needs to happen with Venus related themes and how that relates to our sense of self and, um, integrity. Uh, I think if integrity is a big word for Pluto too, because that's like Mm -hmm. part of the whole reason for the, the breakdown and the decay and the, 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 the purging and the purification is it's trying to get to some sort of nugget of integrity, uh, in the treasure that lives there, but how we got to slough off all the, uh, all the other stuff, um, right. In order for that to happen. So there just might be something about that ingress on June 5th, uh, but especially the next day, um, you know, June 6th and even, you know, June 7th, that first part of the week when the moon goes over that point, um, and can bring up bring up some Leo Aquarius access themes, which are not always easy to deal with. You know, there's a, there's a lot of trauma that lives in that access. Definitely. Definitely. I, I always think of how, when, when the eclipse axis was there, like several, several years ago and how tough those themes were, um, because it really has this feeling of where do you as an individual fit within the whole And are you playing your role with integrity? Are you, you know, what's the balance between, you know, your own pride and your own ego? And then, you know, what we can do to be in the service of others or to be responsible, you know, members of this human community. And it can just be really tender and fragile. And, you know, we, there, we could, we could talk about this for hours and hours and I won't go all the way into it, but it really does bring that stuff up. And it's just a rife environment for self-doubt, which is why every time I sit with these Leo transits, particularly Venus and Leo, um, you know, it, it, it comes back to, for me, this idea of emotional honesty and integrity and aligning with your values and being like, these are my desires and this is who I am because this is the, these are me, this is me embodying my values and walking the talk. Um, and if you are able to continually do that and continually refine these things and be honest about these, these values you have, you know, the easier it is to move through life and you still have to make hard decisions. Um, but if you get caught up in, in those, self-doubt whirlpools and you don't feel clear on what you really think, then it's, it's just that much more difficult. So there's, yeah, it's a tough axis. It brings up so much of these things. So Joe, everything you're saying there is so interesting to play off of because, okay, okay. A couple things here. First, we keep talking about the results, right? We don't, mm-hmm. we, in order, I mean, sometimes pride can get in our way of the results. Sometimes that self-doubt, you know, we don't mm-hmm. want results that aren't aligned with our, our core values and our true, you know, like this is a big part of it. Like in order to kind yeah. of, uh, you know, grow, we, we want to be aligned with these things that are very important. If we're laying down foundations or, you know, getting the results that we've been looking for for so long. Um, but the doubt component and looking at the lack of clarity or what is clear, um, because it's interesting, clarity can sometimes be logic-based, clarity can sometimes be vision-based, mm-hmm. where you just see the, the what's clear in your mind's eye, but it's not necessarily rational. Um, and, you know, Mercury's on a journey while Venus makes these moves to eventually square Jupiter on uh, the 11th on Sunday. So, Ju- so Venus... 
Mercury, I'm like, what planet am I talking about? Mercury <laughs> is getting to the end, the end of its Taurus cycle. Um, but before it leaves, it's going to be making a uh, sextile with Neptune. So when you were trying to bringing up some of this clarity and the potential of doubt and like trying to feel these things out, you know, Mercury is trying to work um, on uh, around the ninth here on that Friday is trying to work with Neptune around mm-hmm. some of the, some of this energy, um, whether that's the, the doubt or the uncertainty or the visionary qualities, uh, that's tapping in. Um, cause that's a big part of realizing results is we have to have a vision. We have to be aligned with maybe a dream or a hope or a wish. And it's a, it's a tricky slope. Sometimes those two, uh, aspects of, um, thinking and, you know, decision-making, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, there's so basically mercury is going to sextile neptune and then move into gemini but make that trine to pluto but pluto is <laughs> going to be in uh capricorn when that happens cuz pluto ingresses back into capricorn on the 11th the 11th has a lot going on i have to say you know sunday yes. june 11th it's it's ripe with uh, activity. So, I mean, how could we add that mercurial piece into maybe what Venus is experiencing? And also that trip of Pluto moving back into Capricorn, you know, that's big news too. It, it really is. This is such a moment just because, you know, I, I remember months and months ago, me, you know, on solar or on Astro Gold on my phone, like going by the minute, like who moves into where first, yeah. it's so close. Um, you know, and all the while we've had Venus just square the nodes of the moon. So we have another kind of wobble point, another moment where there could potentially be kind of an overcorrection if, you know, Venus is kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm like dizzied by the seeing both sides of things, et cetera. But it's interesting that Mercury is the planet that gets that very first aspect to Pluto once it's back in Capricorn. That feels like Pluto is like, you know what? I'm trusting you to deliver this message. Once you pick up your speed, when you're in your home sign, when you're making these sextiles to Venus and Mars, et cetera, et cetera, there's there's this feeling of like Mercury was meant to be there to receive that. And as far as Pluto moving back into Capricorn, you know, anyone with late degree cardinal placements has has a very good idea of what Pluto and Capricorn has been related to as far as the themes in their lives. And planets making these, you know, ingresses backwards through the signs to dip back into where they've spent a lot of time often feels like a a period of time where it's like, mm, there's still stuff about yeah. this storyline that needs attention. It's not completely over yet. So it's like with all this pushing for results or a desire for results or for making a breakthrough and maybe having a breakthrough, there's also this sense of like, don't forget, like there's, there's this other stuff and it's still like your stuff. Um, whether that is, a little bit of heaviness or lessons you've learned or are still learning um, that are Plutonian in nature um, that do have these really deep roots and relate to your personal power and the way that you wield it. 
um, there's, it's a really interesting set of timing there. Um, just that, that brief little window where then Mercury zooms into Gemini with a lot more mobility. Yeah, it is. I, you know, and I mean, that's Mercury's role, right? Mercury was Mm -hmm. entrusted by Pluto to be the psychopomp that delivers the message, right? You know, Uh, and the 29 degree and 59 minute message, you know, like talk about like the most like pregnant (laughs) message of like, okay, seriously, you know, and and when you were talking, it made me think about, you know, um, Pluto moving back into uh, Capricorn here, you know, these late degrees, it's kind of like when you move house and you've got all the furniture out, but you got to come back and you got to deep clean you know, oh, everything. Yeah. So you can get your deposit back, you know, like, <laughs> yes, I hate that part. <laughs> and so then you're like, look, you're like, okay, well, everything's kind of moved out of here. I've done like a lot of the work here, but you know, like all the, like what's, what's left and like the grime and the, the lived in aspect that still needs mm-hmm. to be like buffed out and, and, you know, sparkled clean so that when Pluto fully moves from Capricorn, uh, in 2024, though, we will have, you know, left that apartment sparkling, you know, spick and span, and we will get our deposit back from, from since 2008 <laughs> and all the, all the energy that yes. we have put into that time. Um, but you know, Mercury coming through like, look at the moon too. the, the that know, weekend, right? the moon in Pisces sort of like tapping into, uh, this, this transit of Mercury and Pluto and, and Neptune all why all why Venus is, you know, you know, cause Pisces is a sign of Venus's exaltation too. So mm-hmm. it has some Venetian ties there. Um, so, which actually I ain't mad at, I ain't mad at a Pisces moon coming around with some of this energy, right? Because it feels like that oh and i think i i glossed over i glossed over that this is last quarter right you know this is like the yeah last quarter on uh on saturday so there yeah this is another very significant turning point that's taking place not only in the lunar cycle but just in this transition cycle that we're talking about in this mutable you know duality and what's shifting and the potential Mercury's message, Venus feeling it out, getting ready for her whole dance with Jupiter and in, in retrograde motion, <laughs> you know, yeah. like this, this is a big, this is a big moment. The weekend of the 10th and 11th of June. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. These, you know, we, there's always kind of that sense of like, it's a check-in point with the court, with the, with uh, the, what am I thinking of? Last the quarters quarter. of the yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's always <laughs> just any quarter. Sense. Yeah. Right. But it really it has this um this really unique feeling with them all being in these mutable signs leading up to a mutable new moon. Um yes. and all while we're just kind of waiting for these, you know, these final ingresses, particularly Mercury, to like really bring like the rest of the Gemini season feeling in being the ruler of Gemini. Yeah. And, um, it'll just be, it'll just be interesting. You know, that first quarter was in Virgo. It was like, okay, we let's, what are we cleaning up? What loose ends are we tying up? There's that full moon in Sag. That's like, you know what? I'm just going to not care for a little bit. Just going to be a little chaotic. Just just live. That right yeah. now. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, but how do you really feel like yeah. reconnect to the feeling element with that last quarter in Pisces? Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, it's, it's, it's very it's, internal. It's very, it is yeah, very internal. It's, 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 it's a big moment, but it's, you know, you might not see fireworks out in the sky. It's more sure. like internally you're like, Oh, my mm-hmm. life is changing. How do I feel about this? What am I envisioning? Exactly. Like, what do I need to cry about it a little bit? Yes. <laughs> you know, like, uh, um, weren't you doing a series a while back where you're talking about each moon and it's crying point? Yeah. Like just, I loved yeah, that. Just that was what, so you're, funny. what you're crying about. For the, yeah. 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 Crying is uh, one of my other specialties. <laughs> oh, I love, I love a good cry. It doesn't come every day, but you know, so that Capricorn moon, when it gets to a point, it's like the cancer sun comes out. I'm like, Whoa. Yeah. you know, I found like the, the <laughs> there's something to be said, at least for me, it was like Capricorn moon, public crying. Like I kind of hold it back. And then if someone is up, I'm going through something and someone says the, the, like the right or the wrong thing. And then all of a sudden it's like the damn bursts for uh-huh. everyone to uncomfortably see it. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, don't, don't look at me. I'm just going it's through like a moment. The, yeah. You're like, you're like, I'm not going to cry in this target right now. Like, yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's public. It's, it's work, work, cry. Work, <laughs> cry. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Oh. But I thought that, that, uh, was really funny when you were doing mm-hmm. that. Um, so, all right, we got, so we're going to get past this internalized moment, right? And we're going to get Mercury into Gemini with an, with a moon in uh, Aries, right? Talk about like a ship Monday, June 12th, you know, we're like, okay, we got our mind We're we're minds working. It's going fast. It's entertaining all these ideas. We're onto the, like, we're like, what's fresh, what I'm feeling like, the beginnings here and I'm inspired and like, let me, let me attack life. You know, like kind of has that, that, that vibe, you know, the moon trining Mars, uh, too. And those, that Leo energy. Um, so yeah. What are, what's kind of the pluses of Mercury moving into, well, here's the thing. It looks like the pluses of Mercury moving into Gemini, totally different vibe. Just we'll have a couple <laughs> bullet points with that, but also let's think about Mercury, uh, you know, making its first aspect to a square with Saturn. <laughs> so let's, let's add that in because, you know, Mercury is kind of mirroring the sun's moves from earlier in the season. Yes, exactly. You know, I don't hate this. <laughs> Usually, I really don't hate this. Um, it has sort of a healthy skepticism vibe to me mm. to where it's like, we might get a little more dryness from Mercury and Gemini. Um, I think it's really easy to imagine Gemini as this very excitable, very, uh, curious kind of figure, which is, which can absolutely be true. Um, but there's a, there's kind of like a different expression where it can be like, okay, I really want to know like I'm reading all the footnotes. I'm going to read every single footnote, and then I'm going to go look up those sources like once to really verify. And I wonder if the square from Saturn will bring in a little bit of that to the classic mercurial Gemini curiosity um, to where it may be quite tempering in a good way. Um, it could also you know, and, and Saturn and Pisces is unique. This is belief related. It's not just, you know, a Saturn and its domicile, the, the very critical, like, um, final fact checker kind of energy. It's, it's, it's this interesting mixture of, of kind of, 
of both. But when I think of Saturn and Mercury together, sometimes I do think about um, the ways in which both these planets differ from Jupiter's optimism and can lead a little more towards skepticism or even pessimism. (laughs) Um, But there's that lightness of Mercury that I think will really keep it in that like... um, that uh, healthy skepticism range versus yeah, just yeah. feeling cynical. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get that, right? You know, because it's easy, it's easy to, for skepticism to get on that 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 cynical roller coaster where you're like everything mm-hmm. in life, you know. But keeping that, uh, yeah, that 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 perspective and that detachment and the like, the research and the possibilities and like, let's you know, the curiosity. It's a word you used in the beginning. It's such a, such a mercurial and, and Gemini word, uh, the curiosity. Um, and how can we, uh, you know, maybe solidify our curiosities and work on what's really important right. to us. Cause if we're having this like internal moment with the Pisces, you know, last quarter, it sets us up for this week that is actually rather inactive as we get to the bals- you know, the, the last quarter in the balsamic phase. But really the only thing that's going on is Mercury getting situated in Gemini and then moving mm-hmm. all week to this square with Saturn. And when we start to look at just the, you know, the rulership placements of all the planets right now, Mercury being in Gemini is going to defer every single planet at the end of the day to that Mercury in Gemini. So Mercury has a big upper hand hand right now, as far as the planets are concerned, um, which I think is really helpful in piecing things out that are important. And these, you know, these Saturn stories, right? Cause Jupiter's getting closer and closer to making the sextile mm-hmm. with Saturn. And so this is big, you know, these are opportunities for these larger story cycles that are taking place and we need to be in the right frame of mind. Uh, and looking, um, you know, at things practically uh, and 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 like form based and creatively and and, and having curiosity um, and and doing the work it takes to really get the information that we need. Right? You know, sometimes information isn't like, oh yeah, I looked and then I got that. You know, right away. Sometimes you got to dig. Sometimes you got to, yep. You know, get a little subterranean and you're like, got to get in there and piece piece it all out. Um, but there's something to be said about like right before, because we're going to have that new moon on Saturday, the 17th. And, you know, one of the last aspects that are made by the moon is, you know, this the square to Saturn, the conjunction to Mercury. And so we have this interesting whole week of settling into Mercury Saturn. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm... That's such a good point that when we look at the web of planetary rulership, it all goes back to Mercury now. Um, it, I really like that, honestly. It's like um, finally being able to put some of the puzzle pieces together. Like maybe we have a piece here that feels right and a piece there that feels right. Um, maybe at these mutable quarters, we're like, okay, so yes, keeping this, not keeping this, and doing that tweaking and adjusting and it feels like there's the potential for some of it to kind of start coming together. And I feel like that Saturn square is kind of an invitation to proceed with some patience still yeah, um, and to not rush too much, um, to, to add a little bit of that deliberate feeling into what we're doing. Um, and this, this feels really 
good to me. Like it's not the most active week or the most dynamic, but it's, but I like the way it's shaping up before this new moon and sextile these Leo planets too. It's just, yeah, that's right. I like, like Absolutely. Right. You know, we're going to see the, uh, Mercury hanging out with Venus. They're like, you know what? Let's, uh, I feel like, isn't that, that's a thing right now, actually, uh, today, as Joe and I are talking, uh, Mercury retrograde is sextiling uh, Venus in, from Taurus and, and Cancer here oh, today. So yes. this is the next sextile <laughs> that we're talking about right now. Um, but no, I love that. Like, it, it, it does have a really has a really workable signature that just feels yes. sort of aligned and um active but still patient um uh but you know informed with with the self and like there it feels like we can get some things done from just like an informative um strategic uh standpoint um as we yes. close down and wait for that new moon which is a very interesting <laughs> new moon <laughs> Yes. Yes. Workable is the perfect word for it. Like it does, it just feels really workable and, um, yeah, it's, I'm looking forward to it. It, it feels nice. Yeah. So think, so, um, what was that? The week of June 12th, uh, which pivots us into, you know, the slowly thing, the slow moving, uh, aspect of the sun getting ready to square Neptune. Like that's a big part of this too. Um, which I think that's where really Mercury is helping yes. with its Gemini placement to like back to what you were saying, that healthy skepticism, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, healthy, healthy skepticism within certain uncertain factors. You know, there's still an uncertainty at play here, um, but life is uncertain. You know, life is a great mystery. Definitely. We can't, it is never a hundred percent certain. I mean, sometimes certain situations are, but that doesn't last for long, you know? Right. Um, and so it pivots us to this new moon in Gemini on June 17th on Saturday. Uh, it might be early on Sunday, depending on where you live, but there is uh, going to be the new moon at 26 degrees and 43 minutes. Uh, just very conveniently uh, square to uh, <laughs> Neptune, which, you know, we got to pull back and think about since 2020, this this little spot of the zodiac has been so activated with first Venus retrograding there, then Mercury retrograded there, Mars just retrograded there from these same degrees. And now we got a lunation that is squaring this energy with Neptune. So we're it's not like we're 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 totally new here, but now it's bringing the big dogs, it's bringing the luminaries to this point. Um and yeah. Thought, thoughts. Thoughts. Yeah. That's, that's such a good point that this area of the Zodiac specifically has just one after the other had astrological events happening there. And then, you know, with the most recent being, you know, Mars retrograde. And I wonder if this might be an area that's kind of raw from that still like yeah. that felt very like chafy that whole retrograde <laughs> chafy yeah <laughs> we have just like yeah we just like a kind of wearisome in a lot of ways and so i wonder um i i i wonder how that's going to inform what kind of seeds we'll be planting in this mm. place 
Um, and you know, there's the square to Neptune also <laughs> conveniently located Yeah, um, right. at 27 degrees of mutables. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's a time where this loose separating Saturn Mercury square feels like kind of a blessing where it's like, okay, don't get, don't get too swept up in your thoughts. Don't get too swept up in, um, all of your, all of your plans, like make sure you stay grounded in where those thoughts are coming from. Um, or it may feel a little bit like, um, just because Neptune often feels this way of kind of like, okay, I'm at this sort of square one of a new cycle. And I'm like, what, what is it that I'm wanting to be planting? Like it could feel like a feeling of relief after kind of making it through the retrograde. You know, we made it through the first spurt of Pluto and Aquarius and being like, now that I've, you know, put up such a fight for all these desires I have and things, you know, it's like, if things do open up and become more possible, suddenly it's kind of, it can feel like a different world where you're like, well, now that I can actually have this, like, is that what I want? Like, what do I want? And I wonder if that might be a little bit of the Neptune part. um, And that Venus getting ready to getting closer and closer. (laughs) What do Mm -hmm, I want? mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. And, and realizing, you know, I, I do want to be sure. And it's not as straightforward as it felt when I was experiencing a lot of contrast (laughs) between, you know, this thing that has been happening and this thing that is presently happening. So there could it could, you know, it feels, it feels foggy to me, uh, as is very appropriate for a for Neptune. with <laughs> Neptune yeah, involved. Which is, it's so interesting within the signature too, because one of the things that we probably, I probably should have highlighted about Mercury squaring Saturn this whole time and getting to this new moon is the new moon, uh, same day as the new moon, right before it happens, Saturn goes retrograde. So Saturn's stationing this whole time too. So that's, yep. that's adding to, you know, more of our Saturn story as well. Um, and this interesting play between Saturn the Neptune energies, the mercurial energies, the solar energies, you know, Venus and Mars who are playing into the solar energies, you know, like there is, so Saturn could have, you know, but once again, Mercury coming back, being the messenger and transferring what's stationing Saturn's like, Hey, we need to Mm -hmm. to pay attention to this. And then we take it in to the Neptune component. Um, of the where there can be the uncertainty but also the very visionary quality too and that's that that's the tough that's a tough thing is like ah do i believe in the vision do i not is this practical does it need to be you know like there's exactly yeah. <laughs> you know and you know is it practical does it need to be like those two questions are so um they're so connected to these Mercury Neptune stories in general, especially when we have Mercury and its domicile. And, you know, I'm thinking too about Jupiter and Taurus and, you know, the co-presence with the North node is one thing, but that's going to shift, you know, in July, the nodes won't be in Taurus and Scorpio anymore. And I wonder if part of the Jupiter in Taurus storyline, and the reason I bring this up is because as Saturn stations, Jupiter moves into that exact sextile with Saturn. I wonder if this isn't a little bit about our relationship to enoughness and like 
How much do we really want? You know, it's, it makes me think of how many, you know, celebrities or influencers or what have you in any sort of person who has gained a lot of success and visibility and they, they wanted to be famous or they wanted this, that, or the other thing. And then once they have that, they're like, yeah, I didn't realize how energetically expensive it is to be this perceived. Um, Mm. And that's just one way to look at it. But I wonder, especially after the departure of the nodes and once Jupiter and Saturn are in this really, really supportive relationship, um, I kind of wonder what effect that will have on uh, the way we're dreaming and what we're dreaming of and really wishing for. And, you know, if that isn't part of um, the vision or the visionary element or, you know, what what we have those high hopes for. those, those are kind of a different right sizedness to how much we really want or a clarification of, of our desires around that. It's, Mm. um, not clear to me yet, but it's, but I'm interested in how Jupiter and Saturn can really collaborate here. Um, cause I think it's going to be really, really positive. Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a, that's a, that's a great angle to bring up. Right. Um, and one, you know, a lot of us struggle with, most of us struggle with, uh, mm-hmm. maybe could even be struggling with that within the Sagittarius full moon that we talked about earlier, Definitely. because some of that, you know, that's a big Sag energy yeah. that tends to come up too. Um, and you know, it, it makes me think of like just Goldilocks, like what, Yep. <laughs> what, you know, like what bed feels, Joe, what bed feels just right. <laughs> <laughs> not me bed shopping I'm during this transit because yeah, that will be me <laughs> yeah so what 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 bed feels right what one's too too small what one's too soft what one's too hard you know um yeah. and, and 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 piecing that out because we're gonna sleep on it for a long time like <laughs> yep hopefully 15 years or more <laughs> Oh, how funny. Well, and that's the beauty of Mercury, right? Mercury collects, it helps uh-huh. um, kind of separate and, and piece out and portion and decide and define and, you know, get a grasp of the of the details um, and the parts of the whole, right? And so yeah. maybe that is, you know, these bigger questions that we'll be feeling and going through. Um, we just might be just entertaining them. Doesn't mean we necessarily have solutions, Uh, or answers in this moment, but it, you know, like, as we know about life, it's not about the end result because then we're dead. You know, it's all about, it's all about the process. It's all about the journey, you know? And so we're in that, uh, in that pivotal moment of like some turning point energy that has that, um, little bit of, uh, that magic and that uncertainty and that dreamlike energy, but also that, 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 cleverness that strategy that that perceptive awareness and pieces of of the puzzle it's a little bit of both mm. and so how do we figure that all out together um and you know that's what we sun square in neptune the next day uh which we've already kind of talked about because it's embedded in this mm-hmm. new moon and then we have jupiter making the sextile to saturn on the 19th on monday so this is really much how Gemini season ends. And it's, it's a, it's a whirlwind in many respects. It's, it's like, I guess this is the point where 
I put Joe on the spot and I say, you know, if you had one word for Gemini season, I might give you two just because Gemini season. Um, Thank God. But well, how do we re- oh. how do we recap that? What are we in for? Man, this question is so hard. It's like when it's like when people are like, "What's your most favorite food?" I'm like, I have so many. Um, <laughs> oh, first word that comes to mind is usually the best one. That's true. It just feels like honesty is really integral mm. during this whole during this whole thing because it's like being super honest with yourself can be the foil for like, not only over-rationalizing, but getting like a little too in your feelings in a way that's messy rather than intuitive, you know, honesty can cut through so many things. And I think, you know, while so much comes back to Mercury during the end of Gemini season, um, a, a lot depends on those Leo planets too, and Venus and Leo. So that's, that's what I'm going with. That's a great word. I, I think that's a great word. Um, let me, let me feel into my, feel it into it. What wants to come up? Hmm. That, that that's not a good word. I'm like, what, what word does that mean? All I got was parts. I'm like, parts. parts. What does that, what does that mean? What does that even mean? Parts, parts. All the many moving parts, the puzzle well, pieces. That makes me think about paying attention. Like sometimes we get stuck, like stuck on like the wholeness and the big picture of everything. But if we just mm-hmm. piece it out and yeah. work on a part, like just work on one part. And especially if we're getting through this, like stuck, like just. Yeah work on one part. Uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna say that over here. Work on one part, people. Um, like it doesn't have to be this like full on, like everything changes and we're into this new thing. It's just like, put the energy in one place and work on one part for as much as it feels right. And then you can move on to the next part, which might sound like common sense, but Sometimes I feel like, and this might be just in my own life where I don't do anything because I'm so overwhelmed, you know, Mercury-Jupiter conjunction and yes. Leo, with the big picture that I can't actually like get to the part to like do what's necessary here to then move this here and then do that there because I'm overwhelmed. That's a word we didn't talk about with Neptune. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed by the 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 larger piece of it. So yeah. Maybe that can stem out to compartmentalize, you know, like we're with your story, but yeah, work on, work on, work on a part, um, and start there because it'll move you forward. Um, yeah. Like you don't have to fix everything, the whole thing all at once. I really like that. Actually, that feels very fitting. I'm going to, I'm going to keep that in mind for Gemini season. All right. So, uh, work on one part and stay honest with yourself while you're doing it. Yep. And you're going to be in a good spot, right? That's, that's <laughs> yes. all we got. Yes. So, oh my gosh, Joe, it's always so fun, fun talking to you. You know, what? Yes. where can people find you? What do you got going on? Tell the folks. 
let's see. Okay. So you can find me at joemakerofways.com. I'm also at joemakerofways on Instagram and Twitter, although I'm not on Twitter much these days. It's, it's mostly the gram. Um, I have a couple things coming up. So my booking opens for clients once a month, usually at the end of the month. I may have a few spots opening the end of May before I open for June. So keep an eye on my socials for that. Um, you can also support me on Patreon if you want to do early booking, if you want to participate in a really nerdy discord that I run. Um, <laughs> there is a whole channel for Lord of the Rings memes, I obviously. It. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> but I'm also working on a project that I, uh, I'm not sure when you'll be releasing this episode, Mel, but it may be out soon around the same time. Mm. I, some people are aware that I have written a guide on how to do astrological elections for your haircuts, like cutting your hair by the moon, but like really juiced up. So Leo. I'm, <laughs> I know, right? It's like, I can't escape it if I tried. Um, but I'm going to be releasing a monthly guide of the best elections for all your hair needs. If you don't want to do all that legwork yourself. Um, and since most hair elections really center like Venus and Jupiter, they're also good for like a whole slew of other kind of um, cute activities that center around really caring for yourself and anything aesthetic related and yeah. just kind of a, a lighthearted electional astrology type I of love thing. That. Low stakes, but you can still align it with the astrology to, to see if you can boost your results a little bit. So that's a fun little side project I'll be hey, releasing. Hair is everything. <laughs> hair is everything you know think about how you feel when you get out of that chair yeah and you just yeah. got pampered you got a good cut maybe you got it colored maybe you oh, put yeah. some gloss in I don't know what you're doing but there there's so much power in the there hair really is. <laughs> there is and so all you hairdressers out there and I know there's some of I know there's some of you that listen this would be a great thing to sign up for just even like boost your own energies with your like clients and oh, yeah. you know what and maybe maybe just by chance you're like super packed you're super booked on those days that just happen to be you know because magic works in real time even if we know it or not you know <laughs> it's so funny absolutely absolutely the number of times I've just booked a hair appointment when my stylist is available and then it was like a really good cut or style or whatever and I look at the astrology and I'm like oh the astrology elected me like yeah um, so, so yeah, it's funny how those things work, but, but yeah, I should be shaping that up to release, uh, around the 22nd of May. So, oh yeah, it'll, this will be out by then. So yeah. go, go check it out. Mm-hmm. Joe maker of ways. Dot com. Dot com. Dot com. That's where you'll find me. All right. Well, I will, uh, always make a blog post for each episode of the podcast. And so you'll have a direct link to Joe over at energeticprinciples.com in my astro blog. Um, you can also book a consultation with me there on my services page. And of course, sign up for the monthly newsletter, The Heavenly Wind, that goes out at the beginning of each month that will sum up a lot of the things that we're talking about here today, but also add in some cards and an animal and other such news that comes up. So that's free in your inbox if you want to sign up for that. Uh, you can find me on Instagram uh, at Energetic Principles. Also, 
I do more in stories. So definitely check the stories uh, more so than the the homepage. Cause I like, I like to turn and burn, you know, like I'm doing this, I'm doing oh, that, yeah. put it on, like move it along there. So, mm-hmm. so st- <laughs> stay up to date with the stories there. Um, and yeah, at this point I will have done my, my first webinar. Uh, I'm doing a webinar overlaying the tarot, but this will have happened Ooh. by the time this comes out. But that being said, I'm really getting excited about these, these webinar series. So stay tuned for some more to come up um, and definitely get on my mailing list for that because chances are like, that's the best way to be informed about learning opportunities that will come up um, because it's not every day a podcast comes out, you know, with our season that's ahead true. here. So, all right. Well, if you liked what you heard here today, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, especially on Apple Podcasts, because that was the one that seems to count. Um, and also, if you're watching this on YouTube, leave a comment below. What do you think is going on with a uh, Gemini season or some of the aspects that we talked about here today, like Jupiter in Taurus or Venus getting ready to retrograde in Leo? You know, what's your take on that? Because we'd love to hear a little bit more from you. Um, and also share it with a friend. Sharing is caring, spread the good word, uh, and get the, you know, it's, it's helpful. What we do here, it's long drawn out a little detailed, but it's helpful. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) So share it, we'll share it with a friend. So, all right. Well, Joe, it is always such a pleasure to host you on the podcast. I enjoy it so much and I can't wait for you to join me again. Oh, yes. Thank you so much for having me back. I always look forward to this. It's it's such a blast. I love our Leo synastry that we have. It always it always works so well. A little, little solar ping pong in, right? You know, we're just yeah. bringing the light, folks. <laughs> we're just trying to bring the light. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we wish you the best during Gemini season. Um, don't overthink it. <laughs> and, as, <laughs> and as always, may the stars be with you. 